0: Welcome back to the Profit Your Knowledge podcast. Today is a special day. I uh, have been following this guy for a little bit, listened to his podcast, and I'm really excited because now he's on my show, which is really cool. So today's guest is Michael Unbroken, and this dude has a very... Powerful story. I'm not gonna to get too deep into the weeds of it cause I'd rather have him share it. Uh, but he is the host of the Think Unbroken podcast. And he also teaches at the Think Unbroken Academy. And this man is on a mission to end generational trauma in his lifetime through education and information. And today we're talking about mental health and how that a place to helping us really achieve our next level. If you feel stuck or anything, this is gonna be a great episode
1: for you. So how you doing today, Michael? Dude, I'm awesome. super excited to be here with you, man.
0: Yeah, man. I'm pumped for this. So you have you have a, a great story and I, I like I said, I'd rather have you share it than me try and anecdotally put it together because <laughs> you could tell it better than I can. But what made you decide to to take this sort of career path and really become an entrepreneur teaching the stuff that you do now?
1: Uh, I, you know, I, I think it's circumstance. I think it's environment. I think it's you know nature versus nurture. Um, I mean, realistically, I've been an entrepreneur since I was eight years old. Um, and so much of my life was chaos. I mean, the, the quick and dirty of it is, you know, drug addict, alcoholic mother. Uh, she actually cut off my right index finger when I was four years old. No way. Um, super abusive stepdad. You know, he would beat the shit out of me, put me in the hospital multiple times. Uh, homeless most of my childhood. And by the time I was 12 years old, I was doing drugs every day drinking by the time I was 13, got expelled from school three different times, didn't graduate high school, and I kind of just figured out the way to navigate business because it was the one thing I was always kind of good at. And I made a million bucks by the time I was 25. And, you know, I I ended up being 350 pounds, morbidly obese, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, cheating on my girlfriend, somehow find myself $50,000 in debt and, you know, my, my little brother tells me, never talk to me again, you're not my brother. And so here I am in, you know, an $80,000 car, closet full of clothes, super expensive watches, finest restaurants in town, and yet my life's a complete disaster. And I just really honestly, dude, hit a massive rock bottom where I was like, I'm going to kill myself for change. And, you know, 13 years later, here I am having the privilege to to serve and to coach thousands of people to do millions of downloads on this podcast every year to work with some of the greatest minds in the world. Uh, but most importantly, man, I get a look in the mirror and I'm good. Mm. Yeah.
0: Proud of what you see. Yeah. That's, that's crazy, dude. Like I had not quite as intense, but I had a pretty gnarly childhood myself. And that's what really got me into personal development. When I was like 17, I read the book, the four agreements mm-hmm. by Don Miguel Ruiz. And it just like, Opened my world Um, and that's where I was kind of like a black sheep in all the careers like I would follow my dad's footsteps in construction and stuff but you know it was the same like my parents I I like to say that they like they loved each other but they didn't really know how to love themselves. And then they would take it out on Mm -hmm. each other. And that's kind of what I noticed. It was weird because like some days, like my parents literally would almost kill each other or my dad would almost kill my mom or vice versa. And my sister and I were terrified. And this was like really bad from the time I was five to eight years old, same thing, alcohol, drugs involved, that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, I didn't know if my parents were gonna kill one or the other, or if they were going to come home some days, if they were just disappeared, like it was just such an unknown. And then the next day they'd be loving on each other, hugging and stuff. And I'm like, you guys were like literally killing each other yesterday. Like it was crazy. Um, and yeah it was just chaos so that led to a lot of insecurity and that sort of stuff and anger in my own life and um my mom was gone you know and I, I i like hate to admit it but like i was a bully you know and not mm-hmm. like to an extreme but i did definitely like bully kids because i just didn't have the tools myself and then yeah my mom later in life when i was like 17 she was like you should read this book Four agreements because after all that she you know got sober and everything and she really fell wow. in love with personal Amazing. development yeah it's She's like 20-something years sober now, and she's just super proud oh. of her. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, reading that book just really helped me learn that self-love is what I really needed and confidence, and that led to all the confidence in other areas. And then, yeah, it pretty much just led me into getting into the career path as well. So it's really cool how you're able to take those challenges in life and then flip them around and turn it into something great, man. So proud of you on that. Um yeah, and you you have been able to do a lot of cool stuff. I was I was digging through your podcast and I saw that you got to interview like Tom Biliew and like these other huge people and stuff. And it's just like mm-hmm. it's so cool that you're able to do that. How did you get that connection and those like high level connections? How did you kind of like get up to that path to where you are now?
1: Um, I I think it's about just creating value for people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have interviewed some of the biggest minds and the greatest leaders of our time. You know, I mean, sans a couple of people like Tony Robbins, a lot of people sat down with me, people who don't even do interviews like Vision luckiani like Amy Porterfield, like, you know, the list goes on and on. And then amazing, amazing minds like Muriel Bouquet and Dr. Caroline Leaf and uh, Tom and Lisa Bilyeu, uh, you know, and it's and and then, you know, fucking Oprah's coach, Tim Story, and the list goes on and on. And I'm just soaking in like learning from these people. Um, You know, and and what's what's interesting is the word commitment actually comes to mind. Like, and and what I mean by that is, I had made a decision that I was gonna try to have the number one mental health podcast in the world. Mm. We've, We've been number one in 22 countries, having literally the number one podcast. And we've only ever made it to 38 in the United States. So I have not yet accomplished my mission. Mm. Five and a half years and 700 episodes in. And and what happens is by proxy, it's kind of that thing where you're like, be so good they can't ignore you, Mm. you know? And and it started with one. And and I was very fortunate to have, in 2018, uh, got to meet Anthony Trucks, kind of at the beginning of his career. And and he was really starting to pop, and I was like, "Dude, we come on the pod." And he was like, "Yeah." And he was the first guy with like a name that gave me the time of day, and so you know, I owe a lot to Anthony. He's spoken at Unbroken conference. We've crossed paths many times over the years. Uh, he, he's a great supporter and friend. Um, and and it was really like like the secret is, you know, you gotta you gotta name drop sometimes, mm-hmm. right? and you're gonna be like hey i interviewed all these people you know these people it's the same way people get me on their show now right they're like hey you know my my friend interviewed you blah 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 right so it, it's a, it's a lot about community and uh, but but predominantly it's like commitment to the craft i'm mm-hmm. dude i'm a fucking incredible podcast host yeah i do amazing amount of research and diligence because you have to think about this people it literally all right all right, context tom bilyeu is a fucking billionaire mm-hmm. right he sold quest well he's not a billionaire now but he sold quest he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars it cost tom bill money no matter my level of podcasting will never be worth tom bill hour mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. an hour that dude's uh, a quarter million dollars and how did i get him well community commitment showing up delivering value creating like committing to this entire thing in front of me but also like a lot of it is I've met all these people in person, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one thing to reach out on the internet. It's another thing to have dinner with them. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so it's an evolution because at the beginning, everyone told me no. And then it's like, be so good. They can't ignore you. And then be so good that the people who told you no, beg you to come on. Hmm.
0: Yeah. That's amazing, man. Um, Yeah, I I love something you said, just like how you were so committed and you're like, I know that this show is going to be legit and that it is legit and that I'm legit, you know? And I think that a lot of people just cut themselves short and second guess them, especially kind of when they want to reach a next level, whether that's just starting that next level or if it's like they've been plateaued to a spot to reach a new level. Um, What kind of... I guess when you were kind of getting started on this journey, what do you wish someone would have told you early on based on
1: what you know now? Like the personal development journey, entrepreneur journey, podcast journey, like, yeah,
0: well, my audience is people who want to teach stuff online, much like you and I are. So getting into that field and getting out there to actually like make a name for yourself by, you know, you being kind of the brand really.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, I think so much of it is if, if I look at the beginning of this, I, so I've been in the entrepreneurial space legally for like 14, <laughs> for like like a context, I'm just keeping it real, like for 14 years, right? And so I, early on in the game, like I was spending money on Facebook when you could get clicks for three cents and Google AdWords. It's how I built my first business as a photographer. Mm. And then it was an evolution. And, and I think the thing that people don't understand is that you cannot do this alone. Dude, I've learned from the greatest minds in the world. There's actually an episode of me on Ask Gary V mm. early on in the Ask Gary V show 10 years ago, dude. And I was just like, "Gary, how do you ask for help?" Mm. And and I asked him that question cuz I was stuck. I'd built this company, we're making money, but it like nothing ever felt like it was like in the way it should be. Like I felt like I was just constantly uh like crawling my crawling myself through lava right mm-hmm. in which a lot of entrepreneurs feel that they're like man i'm like it's kind of working but it's really not and then i was like wait a second because i'm trying to do everything on my own like a fucking idiot mm-hmm. right and you know obviously be kind how you talk to yourself i'm saying this in jest but like realistically i think if anything could have taught me if anyone could have taught me anything at the beginning of the entrepreneurial journey it's like you need to ask people who have done the thing that you're trying to do for help mm-hmm. now here's the difficult part about that like uh, all the people who have been on the podcast right i'm effectively asking them for help hey i this is my mission i want to end generational trauma you're an expert to some capacity in a way that i think will benefit the people who listen to this show will you help me most people are willing to help you dude mm-hmm. it's crazy it James dude it's so crazy If you just ask people to help you how often they'll just say yes right and well, it's especially like, like, like high level people to that, too yeah yeah for sure now some will tell you no and some will tell you no 37 times in a row like Lisa Bill you told me no 37 times <laughs> 37 times I'm dead serious. I have the yeah. email. She's like, not now, later, maybe, not the right time. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's fine, but that's not going to stop me from accomplishing my goal. I'll switch. I'll email you in two weeks and ask you about the dog, right? And so it's like it, it, the thing about help though is recognizing that people do want to assist you and guide you, and if they don't, you you always hear this. People always say people below you will never, um, will never knock you down for dreaming big. But I come to find that the people above me, they want me to be successful. One of the reasons, however, that people above you will not help you is because the last time you asked them for help, you didn't do what they told you. Mm, it's a waste of their time. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's wild, man. Um, I, I'd like to, it's like the, to tend to my audience or people who are just kind of getting started out, uh, what made you like, I guess, tell me, tell me the story of how you decided to like become more of this knowledge entrepreneur where you're sharing the information you found kind of your niche. There's a lot of people I hear all the time. They're just struggling with this. And I just like to hear your input on that kind of finding a thing that's like they care about and it's a mission they care about, but also a lot of people care about it enough to where they would invest in that.
1: Yeah. Well, dude, the, you know, it's always that triad health, wealth, relationships, right? That's what we all know about making money in this world. But when I was young, man, people called me coach all the time. Like, I've all this is my nature. I have a very keen and acute ability to see what you don't. I don't know why. My guess is probably from being homeless and living with 30 different families. And it made me be able to become very observational of everything. So I see things that most people don't. When I made the decision to come in to create this business, it actually wasn't my idea. I was, I'm a writer first, Mm -hmm. right? So I've written a zillion blogs. I have no idea at this point. I've written a couple of books. I've actually written more, but they're not published. I'm a writer first. And so I was just writing and then people would ask me to help them. And I would be like, no, (laughs) like uh, why? I don't know. (laughs) I barely know what I'm doing, bro. And so like, I had some people who were just adamant about it and I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Right. And, and what I, what I wanted to do that I think has helped me differentiate myself in the marketplace, especially in what I do is I talk about what I know. Mm -hmm. Right. So in terms of online business and marketing, I know a lot. I know even more about trauma and mindset, Right. I've worked with some of the greatest minds in the world i have over 40 certifications i i have my own life experience and i think what people fail to see is the value in what they already know mm-hmm. they're trying to go out and create around this idea of what they think will serve the marketplace and it's more so like why don't you create what you're an expert at right it's like if i were an expert at video games i would teach people how to play video games or I would teach people how to make a Twitch channel or something like that. As an expert at podcasting, dude, I could create such an incredible podcasting course right now in eight hours that I could sell for 10 grand and you'd be foolish not to buy it, right? So like, what are you an expert at? And then have the, here's what it is. It's like, can you have the conviction and the confidence to go out and put it into the world? Because what's really interesting about this James at the beginning of my journey and building this business I constantly had people message me and be like, how dare you talk about trauma? You don't have a college education. And now I've spoken on the biggest stages in the world. And so it's like, are you willing to like push through whatever other people have to say about you? Because you have the conviction in yourself and the self-belief and the willingness to go and put the thing out there because you know it's for the betterment of people. Mm -hmm. If you're doing it if you're doing it to be self-serving, if you're doing it to make money, this is like any business is gonna be incredibly difficult for you. But if you're doing it because you're passionate, man, you can live an amazing life. You really can and help people. One of one of my mentors and best friends, he's really like a father to me is David Meltzer and he has this very simple thing. It's like, make a lot of money, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun. And I resonate with that a lot because I think like, what else is the point, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you have to be willing when the naysayers show up, on the days you don't want to do it, on those moments in which you question yourself, you just persevere. You have to. But if you're at the beginning and you're like, I'm not sure what to do, teach the thing you know. Because I promise you there's a need for almost everything, right? Almost everything. I won't say everything because that's dismissive and a lie. But I, I think for the most part, if you can solve a problem more more efficiently and faster than the other person, because you have a solution, you should probably share that with people.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that where a lot of people get stuck with their niche, and I, I actually know this, is that they try and figure it out in their head too much, when in reality it's getting out there and working with people and trying to help oh, people. Sure. And that's like, it's the, it's the doing of the thing that leads you to realize, I don't really like this. I kind of like this a bit more or this is super fun you know and back and forth I heard this great quote and I think it's a proverb but I can't recall where it's from um, but it said the work will teach you how to do it and I always think about that when I'm thinking of like starting a new project or adventure of my own you know to grow my own business is like I have this idea of this thing I want to do and I'm like "Ooh, I'm trying to figure it out in my head and I'm just like just write an outline <laughs> of what you think is gonna work you know and then just start doing it and I think that's where people get so hung up because they get caught up in that perfectionism. What do you, what has helped you, I guess, and what can we? What can you share about overcoming those like perfectionism
1: hurdle? Because it's so big in people. It doesn't, dude, to be honest with you, it's never been a part of my life. I've always been like the get it done guy. Mm-hmm. Like I, to me, perfectionism is crippling. And I actually recognize that at a very young age. Like when I was a kid, I would watch these other kids like color perfectly in class. and I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter. Like, what are you doing? Like, get it done or in assignments or in, in uh, you know, tests or whatever. And I'd be like, why are you stressing about this? Like, it doesn't matter because ultimately we can turn in the work and that's what it's about. I teach my team this too. We, we work on done, not perfect. Mm -hmm. done not perfect because there's a lot of perfect dreams in the grave right now you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it's like people get caught up in that because they're scared of judgment of shame of people telling them that they're inadequate or not worthy like it's crazy to me if you go look at all the reviews that my first book has on amazon on barnes and noble on walmart on target on apple books on all those things they're all five-star reviews Mm -hmm. except for one literally. And it's a two-star review and it says good book, but the grammar is horrible. I couldn't make it through. And I'm like, I know the grammar is horrible. I wrote the book, but guess what? We've sold over God at this point, almost 15,000 copies. Wow. Right. I know the grammar is bad. I wrote it. I also had an editor edit it. And I had another editor edit that and it's still not going to be perfect. Cause I wouldn't allow them to make certain changes because I'm like, that's how I talk. Right. And so it's like you have to have again, I'm going to come back to this word conviction a lot today. You have to be willing to put the work out, especially when it's not perfect, because if you're trying to leverage perfect, what's going to happen is the moment that someone is a naysayer, it's going to destroy all your confidence because you've thought so desperately like I have to have this perfect so that people like it. When in reality, what you really need to do is ask yourself, is the thing that I created actually beneficial to the people who are consuming it? You're always going to have people that don't like you. Like, dude, a ton of people don't like me. I don't care. A ton of people love me. I don't care. The most important thing for me is like how I feel about myself. And, And that to me is about getting the work done, not trying to perfect the work. You want the work solid. You know what I mean? Like you need to make solid work. I edited and rewrote Think Unbroken, the first book nine times. Mm. The book that I'm working on right now, Unbroken Man, I have rewritten three times, I've start to finish. And it's like, I'm not seeking perfect, but I I always ask myself this question, like, is, is this thing that I'm working on actually helping people? Mm. It's never gonna be perfect, but it does need to be great.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and just getting it out there, that's cool. The, uh, so you, you've written books, you know, you've done a crap ton of blog posts, what over 700 podcast episodes. You said what a lot of people do, especially when they're getting started out is like, I feel like I have to do everything. Is there something that you would recommend based on the things that you've noticed really work versus what you feel doesn't work or any kind of advice on that for someone to just
1: be like, here's what I'd recommend to focus on. I would immediately make sure I had an awesome lead magnet like that that to me takes precedent over everything how do i get people's contact information how can i get them on sales calls how do i get them into funnels and nurturing sequences how do i get them into the newsletter how do i get them following me on social listening to podcasts subscribing like that's the thing like you could create a pdf and in a a couple of days that feels strong and then give it to people for an email right and you could build a list very quickly. And I think that's the thing people are missing the boat on. Dude, I I, I wish we had five hours to talk about this (laughs) because what, what people don't understand right now that is going to screw them really hard in the next three to five years is they're trying to build social media presence. Mm -hmm. They're trying to go viral. They're trying to get all these downloads or all these likes or all these clicks, but they don't have any funnels. Mm -hmm. They have no captures. They have no lead magnets. They have no CRM. They don't have a business. You know this as well as I do because you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. The The second Instagram changes, Facebook changes, YouTube changes, you're in trouble if you don't have the right framework built, you saw this happen with Vine. Dude, there were people in Vine who had millions of followers, mm-hmm. millions who will never make a penny from it because they did not arbitrage it because they did not have any funnel set up. They had no CRM. They had no capture. That's number one. Like if you, if you kind of look at promote, promotions, number one, right? Because if they don't know about you, they can't buy your stuff. But 1A is okay, how do I get their name and their email and their phone number? Where's my database? Because if it's a spreadsheet on Google, great, start somewhere, but have something. And it is devastating how many people at the beginning of entrepreneurship do not have this.
0: No, it took me a long ass time. Part of it was because I didn't really know like how to, but I'd hear from all the big experts and people I looked up to were like, focus on building your list, do it. And now yeah. my I build my list every day and it works. Passively, you know, every single day I'm getting new opt-ins, and it's it's the importance of it. Because like think about MySpace, you know, it was there, and then it disappeared, and then we became Facebook. But like you could be building your audience, like you said, on a certain platform. And if you don't have that email list, then the platform disappears. Now you have to start from scratch on whatever the new platform is that you move over to. But if you have that email list, platform goes down. You can message all those people on your list and be like, hey, I just created a new TikTok account or whatever the new thing is. Like, come give me a follow. Yeah. And then you just transferred that whole
1: database over to you. Dude. And what's so interesting too is like, people will look at your social media and your followings and they will determine whether or not you have value in the marketplace. So like on Instagram, for instance, I'm, I'm closing in on 20,000 followers. Mm. That's not that many. My podcast will do 2 million downloads this year, Mm. right? Even more interesting than that, uh, my email newsletter is multiple six figures,
0: Mm.
1: I'll take multiple six figures, email newsletter, over 20,000 people on Instagram all day long. Yeah. All day. till the cows come home, dude. Right. Right. And that's the thing that people are missing the boat on, man. If I push anything into their brain today, go and get leads.
0: Yeah. Well, let's unpack that a little bit. So, you know, the way you build an email list is really two things. You need one, a good lead magnet, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. A good lead magnet. And then you just need traffic, a traffic source and that's really it. But what what has been I guess the best I guess first well how, how do you recommend and like to go about making lead magnets because there's a lot of ideas with that
1: yeah well dude again this could be such a long conversation <laughs> I think there's lo- I think there's levels right there's the beginning entrepreneur there's up to a million dollar entrepreneur there's the three to five million dollar entrepreneur and then beyond right and so I, I've been fortunate enough to the biggest and always I always like to say this in business podcasts. I have only ever built a business at 5 million. If you have built 5 million and $1, you know more than me. So just for context, right? I think that's important, man. Like I don't know how to get to 5 million and $1 because I've never been there. Mm -hmm. So at at the very beginning, it's like, man, with your cell phone, you could create a 45 minute five-part video series that's free teaching something that you know, that's an opt-in. That's so simple. You could do that in a day, right? You can make a PDF or an ebook, a free. Dude, I built my business on free coaching calls. Mm-hmm. Literally free 10 minute coaching calls. And people are like, I'm not coaching for free for 10 minutes. I'm like, good luck. Yeah. You know, because this isn't about your ego. This is about helping people. Yeah. And my, clo- my close rate on that was like 7%. Mm-hmm. And that's how it goes. But most people would kill to have a 7% conversion rate right and so it's like what do you need to do to create value for people this is the question you always need to be asking why why are you going why is james going to come to thinkunbroken.com and give me his email does he get a free copy of the book does he get the free five-day self-love course does he get the free six-week daily trauma coaching course does he get the free this the free that and we have paid stuff too obviously but at the beginning the only thing you need to be focused on is value creation Mm -hmm. and creating the top of the line funnel. And then if you, as you get deeper, now you start to play with money. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, I've sold courses for a dollar for $7 for $10 for $97 for $297 for $2,500 for Mm $10,000. Right. And so it's like, when you can start playing with money, now you, now you're messing. Okay. Do I spend on cold traffic? Do I nurture warm lists? Where do I, do I need to learn uh, ad spend on Facebook or Instagram? I spent over a million dollars on Facebook. Mm. And, you know, it's something that I think at some point becomes a necessity in business. You need to be able to convert cold traffic, but there's levels to that. And those levels of conversion are going to be different than the early on level of conversion, where it's like, so I coach entrepreneurs on Mondays. I have this small group of entrepreneurs. And the one thing I always tell them is like, if you're not talking to every single person who follows you on social media, you're missing an opportunity.
0: Mm.
1: And so it's like, start where you are. Because maybe you don't have a $1,000 a day to spend on social media, mm-hmm. right? Which is really kind of what you need these days. Yeah. Maybe, you, maybe you only have a mic and a podcast and you can make reels, but you're getting followers. It's like, I, I see people constantly who... They they're not engaging in their DMs because you're like where's the traffic coming from? Mm-hmm. You're, I have people DM me constantly. I have people leave reviews on the podcast constantly. I reach out to those people. People email me. If somebody emails you and they're like thank you, you need to reply to them. Oh yeah, make a make a freaking 18 second video and send it to them. Mm-hmm. I, I saw Gary. I'm stealing this from Gary V because I literally just saw this today. He was talking about Taylor Swift and how she got so famous he's like, Taylor Swift used to go out of her way to show up to people's weddings, to show up at the bar mitzvah, to show up at the, the quinceanera, to show up at the birthday party. Right. She's the number one touring artist probably ever. She will be by the time it's all said and done. Because she showed up and she built community. And that's predominant. You've got to build the community. Right.
0: Yeah, I love that. People are, I'd say in like my automated emails and stuff, like, hey, hit reply and let me know your thoughts about there, so like what you're gonna do. And uh, people will reply, and when I reply back, they're like, you actually replied? <laughs> like, that to you, all the time. and I'm gonna just be like cheering you on, you know, like I'm here for you, man. You know, or yeah, whatever totally. it is. I love that. And um, something with lead magnets that I've learned, I learned this from Ramit Sethi, and um, I really like mm. Ramit Sethi, but- Yeah, he's great. It's just a really simple way to think about it, especially if you're like just getting started out. But I think any stage, it really works. And uh, the question is, what is a persistent problem that my audience faces and how can I quickly solve it in a PDF or video? And you can use Loom yeah. as well. But it's just like, that's how I think about it. And when I'm working with people, that's a question we always fall back onto because it's like, Like a great example I use is uh, Greg Faxon, who is an awesome dude, but his audience is coaches and he helps them fill up their client roster. Like that's it. And he's really good at it. And uh, a persistent problem that coaches face is where do I find clients? Where's my next client, my next set of clients? Like nine times out of 10, like that's the problem that they have, it's persistent. Mm -hmm. So he made a really short guide that's like three pages and bullet points with a short description for each one on what you can do. And it's 21 ways to find potential clients. And it's such a great lead magnet. And it just, I always use it as an example with this because like that's perfect. It's a persistent problem they have. Here's 21 ways to find potential clients and it converts like crazy because it solves a persistent problem quickly, gives them ideas, and then they can go execute on that right away. So quick wins, I think, are so big to get in. That's what your lead magnet should Agreed. be. Um, so when it comes to traffic, you were just reaching out to people, you were inviting them to hop on a call with you and that sort of stuff. When did you really notice and what did you do, or per se, I guess, uh, when you notice that the podcast is really becoming like a thing, because people podcast forever and see nothing and they're like, is it even worth me doing, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think a part of it is just the consistency, man. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a word again, I'm just going to keep throwing this word out. It's like, just keep doing it. Like here's, here was my, here was my mission. When I sat down to do the podcast, I said, I want to be the most recognizable host in podcasting that creates the most value for the most people and be number one. I'm not there. And until I get there, we don't stop. I don't, it's, it's, it's really about, man, I I don't do what I want to do. I do what I have to do. Mm. When I was 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, 50 grand in debt, borrowing money from my girlfriend who lived with me to pay my rent. I wasn't doing what was required. I was doing what I wanted. And I was operating through a victim mindset. And so when you think about people who they're like, It's the three feet from gold mentality,
0: Hmm.
1: right? It's like, dude, you're so close. Tomorrow's episode could be the banger. Yeah. My friend, I'll give you a great example of this. My friend, Tori Gordon, just went through this. I'm going to shout her out. She has a podcast called Coachable, and she would always be you know, ranked 200, 250, not even on the charts. She had one viral video, and she was the number one podcast in the world for weeks. Because she just didn't quit, and it was the week after my episode. I'm not saying because of me. I'm just saying like <laughs> the week. No, <laughs> okay, you know, right. But but it's like but it's like she was persistent. You know when she kept going, and and for me, I keep going whether it's the podcast or building the business or speaking. Dude, oh here's a great example. My first speaking gig, I held the event. Two people showed up. Two. When I spoke in front of Grant Cardone's boot camp. And he invested in my company. I'm one of the few people in the world Grant has ever given money to. Wow. There were 10,000 people watching. Hmm. And it's like, I, I'm like, I'm not going to quit on my dreams. Right. I want this, dude. How bad do you want this? That's what it really comes down to. Because most people in the time that we live in, entrepreneurship is a buzzword it is a fad Mm -hmm. i'm glad it exists because we need to circle back to people being in control of their destinies you go back pre-industrial revolution you, you had the butcher the baker the candlestick maker everybody had a real job like you built a thing we need to get back to that i think that's the real american value that's the thing that makes america the greatest country in the world and it's like, now everybody is like, I just want to get rich, bro. You're not getting rich. I can almost guarantee it for at least seven to 15 years. Right. And you gotta be able you to ride might, that wave. Yeah. And you got to ride that way and you might get lucky. Like, dude, you might get like, I'm not saying that you won't because you do see it happen sometimes. But but luck, as we know, is preparation meets opportunity. And so the thing that I'm always thinking about as I am building and as I'm, I'm encouraging others to build is it's like you have to recognize the role that patience plays in this, mm-hmm. because if you're showing up on day one at zero, you cannot expect that you're going to be a millionaire in a year. I would actually love to see the statistics on entrepreneurs who become a millionaire in a year. I bet it's less than half of a uh, half of a one percent. Yeah, I bet it's zero 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 one percent.
0: From like ground zero to that. From
1: zero to a million no in a year. There's no way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they wouldn't Cause be. Because you, you don't know what yeah. you don't know. Because you you only know how to make fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. You don't know how to make a half a million or three quarters or a million. You've never done it before. Right. And so I, I think it's I don't want to discourage people because to me, I, here's what I think about entrepreneurship, because sometimes people will be like, oh, man, are you trying to sell? Think I'm broken. Do you want to grow a billion dollar company? I'm like, no, I want nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. I want to make I want to make the money that makes me feel solid. I want to help the people I can help. And I want to not have to worry about all the pain that comes with that. I'm good, bro. And so I think it's got to be really clear about your goals and your ambitions and what you want. And there's nothing wrong with making 200 grand a year and taking care of your family. Nothing wrong with that. And we have got to move out of this notion that somehow being an entrepreneurship, that you're a failure if you're not driving a fucking Lamborghini. Right. I
0: saw some uh it was like some YouTube comment because I like to read through them and uh it was about like making money or something and this person said like dude like I just want to make enough money to like take care of myself take care of the people I love you know and just kind of chill and like I don't need to be a millionaire and everything and then there were a bunch of replies that were like so basically like you have to be a millionaire I'm like bro you people don't even know what you're talking about like if you're making three hundred thousand dollars a year like you'll be able to take care of your, your family and yourself and live dude, like great a nice money. lifestyle. Right. And I'm just like, that's not that's even great. half of a million, you know, like it's insane. Just the, the mentality, but like, yeah, you gotta be in the right for re- reasons. And that's what you're talking about before of like, it's about serving people. And actually when I made that shift myself, cause I was struggling for like getting consistent clients and stuff like that. And I'm like, God, how am I going to like crack the code? And I just got so frustrated. I got to a point where I'm like, dude, I just want to help people that's it. That's I'm going to, I'm going to charge like what I'm worth, you know, and, and not just coach people for free. Cause like, I'm trying, mean, I'm trying to make money, but like, I just want to help people. And it reminds me of that guy, Greg Faxon as well. He was a coach of mine and then we become friends since, but he, uh, he said, uh, he introduced me to high intention, low attachment, otherwise known as Hila. And Mm -hmm. he learned that from Jack Canfield. And this is right at that time where I started feeling that energy because I was, I really pay attention to my energy. If I'm like super tense or stressed, like I go away, I go into nature and just kind of reflect on things and whatnot. And um, it used to happen a lot more, not really anymore. But um, sometimes I just get in like this weird kind of frantic energy and it's because I'm too attached to an outcome. It's one thing to be intentional of like, I want to get clients or grow my business, you know, or make sales or whatever it is, or be the best podcast in the world. But when you're like, so attached to it, you end up sabotaging yourself in a way, which is interesting. So it's like, it's holding on loosely like that song.
1: Yeah. I, I have, here's what I've known about myself ever since this actually comes back to the perfection. I've never connected these dots till this moment. This is really interesting. I am a nihilist. I do not believe that anything that we do matters. I'm going to create more context around this. Quick question though, James, name your great, great grandpa. I don't even know. Exactly. Nobody does. We are only barely a generation removed from being obsolete and no one knowing who we are. And yet we put so much pros on a legacy and accomplishment <laughs> and doing the thing. That's funny. You're, you <laughs> have only a dude, you only have a handful of, Tony Robbins and Jack Canfield's and and Ernest Hemingway's and you know in in a generation nobody's gonna know who those people are dude there's kids right now who have no idea who Johnny Carson is Johnny Carson ran America late night television for three decades Mm. right and so you think about this we're all consumed with legacy and then it's like but you don't know your great great grandpa yeah what what I try to hold which is to the point that you're making right now. I try to hold on these competing ideas, right? One, nothing that you do actually matters. And if you can like accept that, and it's like this esoteric thing, like there's freedom in that. Like there really is. And but then you go, well, why do I do all the things I do? Why write the books? Why do I want to be a multiple time New York Times bestselling author? Why do I want to end generational trauma? Why do I want to speak on the biggest stages in the world? Here's the competing thought. This moment, dude, right now is the most fucking important moment ever in the history of my life. Mm. And if people can wrap their head around that, it brings them into presence. When you get in that space of being frantic and freaking out and concerned and worried, you are in anxiety about the future. Mm. When you are mopey and sad and bummed out and depressed, you're consumed by the past, neither of which actually exists. Right. That's the weird juxtaposition that you have to learn to play with time in your own mind. When like this thing right now between you and I, there's nothing more important in my life Mm -hmm. at all. And that applies to when I'm coaching, when I'm speaking, when I'm working on the lead magnet or adjusting the copy on a split test on a funnel. Like it's like, dude, focus on right now. Mm -hmm. That's it. And you will have so much peace.
0: Yeah, I love that. Right on. Well, uh, Michael, we're going to start to wrap it up. And I feel like that's a good part to kind of start to close out. I feel like you and I could talk for hours on end. But, oh, we're just uh, getting started, dude. We're just getting warmed up. Um, hopefully we can continue the conversation some way. But sure. anyway, where can people learn more about you and get connected with you?
1: Yeah, um, I'm everywhere on social at Michael Unbroken. And of course, I feel like I'd be remiss not to say, if you go to book.thinkunbroken.com, you can get a free copy of my book. <laughs>
0: Right on and then, uh, check out your podcast, of course, because we've been talking yeah, about yeah, it, so thing.
1: yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a thing you can think broken podcast. Yeah,
0: thanks killer. <laughs> yeah. We'll put, we'll put links down in the description for people to get connected and, um, yeah, for the listener. I mean, we covered a lot, but I think like the real, uh, narrative in the entire conversation is like, just get started and keep going. <laughs> I hate to just say it's like that simple, but like it really is and then fine tune along the way, and next thing you know, you're gonna be living that dream life and like, dang, I really did it. Um, and it, it, yeah, three feet from gold is a real thing. I remember I was like thinking about quitting one time because I just wasn't really doing anything, wasn't really having any success, it was really early on. I thought about going to the military. I thought about being a firefighter and I was actually on the, fr- on the call with a friend of mine about going into the military, and just like giving up the whole thing. And then I had a conversation of like, what do I really wanna do with my life? Like if I could really just have it be everything I wanted it to be, and it came back to this, to the coaching, to the getting out there, speaking on stages, et cetera, meeting people like Michael Unbroken. And um, I, I would never have been able to be in this point. But what's interesting is like a week or so after that, I had my first $10,000 day. And if I gave up, I would never have been able to achieve that you know, or be able to sit here and have a conversation with Michael or anything like that. So it really is just a matter of like, stay the course, even when it's challenging or you're frustrated, maybe take a step back, whatever it is, but just get back on the horse and then you're going to achieve great things. So for the listener, take what you learned here, get out there and make something happen and we'll see you in the next one.